Tarbell Ayrtega, author of Ghost Squad and Witchlings. And I'm Kat Cho, author of Wicked Fox and Vicious Spirits. And this is Write or Die. Write or Die. That's the new theme song. We are from a sitcom from the 90s. <laughs> we are posing with our pets and in our front yards. <laughs> that was a Grammy winning performance. Grammy winning for sure. Um, <laughs> how are you doing, Clara Bell? I'm good. I'm fresh off the uh, Witchlings cover reveal high. Mm-hmm. Um, it's beautiful. Everyone, go check it out if you yeah, haven't already. Yeah, it's so it's so so nice. Um, and um, yeah, just busy. <laughs> I sound like a broken record, but on deadline. <laughs> There was a um, late night edit of uh, Biden's speech about the first 100 days, and they just pulled out every time he said the word jobs. I saw that. And it's so funny. I feel like if everyone just pulls out every time we say the word busy or deadline, it'll be the exact same thing. Yeah, the same exact thing. Yeah, so basically that's it. I'm just on deadline for more um, edits, working on that, and yeah excited that people are getting a little bit more of a feel for the book now that the cover is out i think it represents Mm -hmm. the vibes so i'm glad my my favorite rumor that i'm spreading is that um thorn is based visually based on me it's my favorite rumor (laughs) it is a rumor but you can go ahead it is a rumor you can go ahead and yeah you can go ahead and say it um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I I tweeted about uh, so if you follow me on Twitter um, you'll know that one of my fake pen names is clarinet orchestra I joke about it all the time and I said should I make clarinet orchestra my photography uh, pen name like my like <laughs> like that's my photographer name clarinet orchestra so every time that my picture my headshot shows up somewhere it'll say clarinet orchestra and people will just be like wow that photographer has a weird name but like everyone who's been following me for a while will be like oh my god (laughs) i feel like that that's fine it's like having a pen name for your photography (laughs) i think it's yeah i think it's really funny and i was just joking about it but then my editor said just say the word so it might actually happen (laughs) oh my gosh oh my gosh um so what i really loved that you did and you do this a lot is you make a lot of like interactive or like different types of posts whenever you have like good news Mm -hmm. i feel like it mixes it up we are getting to like kind of a like quote-unquote reveal fatigue Mm -hmm. space um within our with specifically within like kidlit social media Mm. i don't say that to like scare anyone i think everyone should still like reveal covers and character cards and titles and release dates because we got to celebrate where we can but i also kind of like that you know when somebody's like yeah this is how people normally do it but i just want to do it this other way and that just makes me happy and i feel like you are the one of the examples of like someone who does that a lot so like like i felt feel like you should maybe tell everyone like your thought process when it comes to because you made a video yeah i made a trailer um so first like in terms of fatigue i think that's true but i think that also like the people who usually feel fatigue are other authors and like we don't Mm -hmm. matter 
Like, you're not trying <laughs> to true. make other authors excited about your books. Um, if they are, great, because they might, like, invite you on panels and, like, do that kind of stuff. But you're trying to reach a wider audience than just, like, the author bubble on social media. That's the goal, right? For you to get the mm-hmm. word out to, like, librarians and booksellers and readers and uh, parents that are going to be buying your books, in my case, because I do middle grade, um... So while I'm happy for authors to be excited, they're not really my target. Um, It's great when they boost my stuff, but I feel like a lot of times we have reactions to each other's social media, and it's like, that's fine, but it doesn't really make a difference. Um, (laughs) Unless you're being, like, wild. Um, But I I do have a a process of the things that I do when I'm ramping up for a book to to have a cover reveal and just when I have a new book announced in general there are a couple things that I do um so the very one of the very first things that I do is I make a a mini web page for my book for example bygosquad.com or witchlingsworld.com I'll make like a small landing site that's completely just dedicated to the book um, it'll have a description what in general when you buy these URLs like do you buy them for a year, for five years? Yeah. Like, and do you think like it's cost effective? It is because it's really cheap. What I do is I I get them on Google uh, domains, and it's only twelve dollars a year, um, for one. So like right now I pay twenty four a year for two of them, and then they they renew yearly, um, and it just redirects to my regular website, and I like having the dedicated link. Because uh, it's just so much easier to remember. And it's really hard to make people sort of like click through to a lot of different places. Um, so if you have just like one dedicated link uh, that you can share with people, I find it is it's a lot easier for like retention of people's attention because they're all over the place. <laughs> um, so I make my <laughs> I make my Winnie website. I try to make it like as fun as I can um, match the theme and the feel of the book um, for the witchlings website. You can check it out. It's witchlingsworld.com and it's basically the cover now that I have it um, by links, a description, character cards. There are some like, um, moving there's like a hummingbird flying around the page there's music uh so just something that feels a little bit immersive um while also being simple because i made it myself and i am not a web designer um so um so that's sort of the first thing then i start thinking about like how i'm gonna actually do the reveal itself right uh so i usually do videos i like videos because one thing that really bugs me is when you have a cover reveal and people immediately post your cover like right after you do or like even before Mm -hmm. with a video they can't do that unless they take a screenshot of the screen (laughs) um true and also with a video it's cool because it doesn't you know views are not indicatives of likes and retweets right so on a video you can see how many people have actually seen it um as opposed to like you know how many people have interacted with it so that's helpful as well um so i'll make a video i usually use after effects for that and i try to you know go ham on that and make it as good as possible i wrote an original song for this book and i used it in the trailer it just sort of came to me to do that um And then I do, what I do is, like, I'll make an updated media kit as well to keep on, like, the about page and on the book landing page. So the media kit will include 
an updated headshot. I like to take new ones for, per, for the books to like match the vibe of the book. Um, I'll have Instagram uh, stories, like videos that people can share graphics for Twitter and Instagram posts. I'll have a high res book cover, just like a regular one. And then a 3d render of one. And then I have a, a PDF that has my bio interview info, like what kind of interviews I'm available for, what languages and contact info as well. So I have all that stuff ready. Um, I have graphics ready to, to, you know, share in the days after the cover reveal to sort of like keep the excitement going and also to share on my website so that like if bloggers or like um, booksellers need any of my information for their web page, um, they don't have to email me. It's all there for them. It's a lot easier for them to pull from. The easier you make it for people who are do promoting books to promote your books, the more they're going to do it because it's not a hassle, right? Um, so those are the things that I sort of get ready and do ahead of time. And it's worked really well for me. It's a, lo it's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. Um, but I feel like it's worth it. I love it. I think that it, there's a lot of really great points. I think the biggest one that kept on coming up, I felt, was like the idea that especially in social media, you have to grab someone's attention and you can't make it too complicated. Mm -hmm. And everything that you do is to meet those two points. And I think that that's really pretty amazing and really great advice. Um, I do I do it a little bit differently, to be completely honest. Um, but I definitely constantly think of your advice whenever I'm like revealing something mm -hmm. just because... It's not necessarily even me being like, how would Clarabelle do it? It's more like me saying, oh, Clarabelle does this their way. Mm. And I should be able to do it my way, the cat way. Absolutely. So that's what I'm thinking more of. So a lot of times I just, I really love memes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what, one of the things, or I, I really like um, GIFs too. And so one of the things that I did like really way back in the beginning before I even realized that this was a, like that I was trying to stand out as my unique self was that when I announced my agent deal, um, you actually made it for me. You made a special GIF for me out of one of my favorite Studio Ghibli movies and um and it within it was um <laughs> it said Ponyo loves agent <laughs> which is a play off of the fact that the main character in Ponyo the movie is always like Ponyo loves ham Ponyo loves Sosuke like it's her thing and it was very me it was like my personality mm -hmm. Ponyo's one of my favorite movies I often joke that I'm just like her in temperament and maturity this like <laughs> five-year-old child um, but like it was just unique and it, and that and that agent announcement is so distinctly a cat show tweet, yeah. you know, and I think that's the important thing too. like whenever you're getting advice from people who are doing things like you have to do what works for you, right? Like the reason why that works for you is because, like you said, it's very you and it made you happy and yeah. it's specific <laughs> to you. Um, I know that not everybody is going to be able to meet. A video the way that I made one for um for for my cover reveal and that's okay like you don't have to do the things that other people do I mm -hmm. think it's about like sort of exploiting what you're good at what you're able to do and what makes you excited like what would make you excited to see as 
uh, a reader or as a consumer or whatever, and then try to do that for your audience. I totally agree. Mm -hmm. And I think there's also the fact that like, you know, you can, you can make something on a different social media platform and then reshare that Mm -hmm. onto Twitter or Instagram. And immediately it's a little different because like, you can make a TikTok and then you share it as a video on Twitter. And so now your announcement has a video, mm-hmm. you know, Absolutely. and all you're doing is resharing content you made on another platform. It just happens that that other like to reshare onto Twitter makes it seem more unique. Um, so I think that that's something that can be done a lot. And and I do that a lot between my TikTok and my Reels. Even though Reels rose up as kind of like a response to TikTok, like Instagram really trying to grab a hold of that audience. <laughs> um, let's not deny that. But I will say that there are actually two different audiences between TikTok and Reels mm. to the point where like I will make something on TikTok that is like trending on TikTok. It's like it's been around for a while too. Like I get to trends on TikTok late <laughs> and I know it. But I still do it because it makes me happy. Yeah. But then I'll share it on Reels and someone will be like, you're a genius. And I'm like, well, the like Gen Z person who made this up is a genius. But my version's also funny. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, I think that I think it's worthwhile to kind of like play around in your different social media yeah. accounts to see like where you're most comfortable and feel free to cross post and reshare and do all of those things yeah absolutely because like you if you try to emulate something that you don't feel comfortable with or you're not good at then there's it's not it's not going to turn out well you know what i mean if you try to let's say make uh, a tiktok and you feel super uncomfortable on screen people are going to be able to tell you know um if you mm-hmm. try to make a video like I made it and you have absolutely no idea what you're doing, it could come out fugly. You don't want that. You don't want to make something that's like subpar just because you're trying to sort of fit into a box that you don't feel comfortable being in. Just be yourself and like do the things that make you happy and use your skills. Like I always try to tell authors like if you're good at cooking, if you're good at sports, like try to see how can you incorporate that into the things that you share online, right? Um, And that will make all the difference because it's something that you're passionate about and that will come through uh, in in the posts. I love video editing. I love music. So when I make Mm -hmm. these things, it's really another form of creative expression for me. That's why they're good because I put a lot of heart and thought into it and time. Um, so th- you just have to know that the th- those things make a difference. You know, it's not just about making a graphic. It's not just about, um, you know, trying to emulate what other people are doing. It's about putting like a bit of your own creativity and heart into those moments as well because they are important. Yeah. Definitely. And it's also, I think the advice that we give to people when they're writing, like embrace your love of writing, find the joy in it, all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. I think that that can definitely translate to social media promo because social media at its heart is supposed to is supposed to be fun. Mm. Um, I, I know that the promo part latched on to the end makes it a job. Um, but just like we say, 
like like I was saying, just because like writing is a job doesn't mean it can't be fun. And just because social media promo is part of your job doesn't mean you can't have fun with it. Right. Um, the casual format of it kind of lends itself to you being a little bit more goofy and being and showing a little bit more of your personality. And I think embracing that is kind of the key to sustainability. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And, you know, it is still work, you know, like give yourself that credit you're still doing something Mm -hmm. that's for your work but cat is correct like you you should be having fun with it if you can so like if it's stressing you out a lot then it's not worth it like it's really not like if it has to be something simple that's okay you know um Mm -hmm. don't beat yourself up over having something that's on the simpler side and if you really want to make a graphic, I really recommend Canva for people who are beginners mm-hmm. because you can make something really cool. They have videos and music on Canva now if you have a pro account. So you can make, a, you know, a reveal that's animated. It's not going to be like a 3D <laughs> animation, <laughs> but you can make a 3D render of your book. Um, I recommend Cover Vault uh, for they have free Photoshop templates they're really good um you can make a free uh, 3d edit of your book and just use one of the animation settings in canva put a cool video behind it put some music and you got yourself a cool gif like add some words on there and and you got it and that's that's all you need you know um for sure it it doesn't have to be overly complicated if you don't want it to be but putting like heart and effort into it is going to pay off in the long run for sure Definitely. And Canva Pro, just in case people are wondering, you can just get it for one month, like the month that you need to be making a lot of your promo. Mm. Um, And it's just $12.99 for that month. And then you could just cancel it. Um, And I think that that just makes it a lot more doable. I know it kind of seems like I have to pay money. And we know that like not everyone has the money to pay for things Mm -hmm. in order to do promo. And you can definitely just use free. Canva free definitely exists. You can still do video on Canva Mm -hmm. free. Um, but if you did want to get the pro for one month, just like what I might suggest is you write down all the things that you want to have for your promotion leading up and have that ready, like the list of to do's and then get the Canva pro and just make everything in like a month month or whatever. Yeah. That's a really good idea. Mm -hmm. Just have it ready and then you can cancel your Canva pro account after that month and then it's just $12.99 yeah and it'll be worth it because you know it's nice to have those assets and it is eye-catching for people um to have those visuals to make them sort of stop scrolling it's hard to make people stop scrolling it really is (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for luceli luna ghosts are more than just the family business Shortly before Halloween, Luceli and her best friend Sid cast a spell that accidentally awakens malicious spirits, wreaking havoc throughout St. Augustine. Together, they must join forces with Sid's witch grandmother Babette and her tubby tabby chunk to fight the haunting head-on and reverse the curse to save the town and Luceli's firefly spirit before it's too late. With the family dynamics of Coco and action-packed adventure of Ghostbusters, Clarabel A. Ortega delivers both a thrillingly spooky and delightfully sweet debut novel with Ghost Squad. Order today at buyghostsquad.com. 
We are so super excited for today's guest. We have Rita Williams Garcia, who is the New York Times bestselling author of novels for young adults and middle grade readers. Her most recent novel, Gone Crazy in Alabama, ends the saga of the Gaither sisters who appear in One Crazy Summer and PSB 11. Her novels have been recipients of numerous awards, including the Coretta Scott King Award, National Book Award finalists, Newbery Honor Book, Junior Library Guild, and the Scott O'Dell Prize for Historical Fiction. She served on faculty at the Vermont College of Fine Arts Writing for Children MFA program, and she resides in Queens, New York. Hello, Rita. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you for having me. We're We're so excited excited. to have you here. That's a long list of awards. Yeah, yeah, and I wear them like jewelry. Good, as you should. I love that energy, Amazing. as you should. Um, so we we are so happy to have someone who can maybe even give Clarabelle and me some advice <laughs> about this industry because we love hearing about um, the different experiences that people have had from the different lengths of being in the industry. But first, we kind of want to go back in time a little bit and just ask you how you first fell in love with storytelling. Okay, so this is going to be very discouraging to you all. So <laughs> yes, you don't, you do not have to listen to this part. Um, I do believe that I became a storyteller in my playpen at about one years old. I was an abandoned child. Uh, my sister and brother—they were—they're uh, a year and and two years older than I. You know, they were like outside of the playpen, uh, playing with each other, getting into hijinks. And I sat in my penitentiary (laughs) with the wooden bars all by my lonesome with nothing to do but just sit in my diaper and ponder the number of little white diamonds in, you know, that diamond pattern that's in your diaper. (laughs) That that was my activity. So, um, okay, there was this roach. Um, that was like trying to crawl up the wall in our apartment Mm -hmm. and I would root I named him Stanley Stanley. and I would root for Stanley go Stanley you can make it Stanley go but Stanley had had two one meal too many and so he would always like fall like just when he would like getting to the very top and I would feel so sad for Stanley. And so I, so that was my whole, that was my whole day wondering when would I see Stanley? Um, and, um, would he ever make it? So I was always kind of entertaining myself. And then my sister began to slide picture books in my, um, in my penitentiary. And I would uh, flip the pages. And that's how I began to tell myself stories. Um, I, I went to kindergarten writing and insisted on paper and pen and pen. Um, or pencil uh, when it was time to finger paint um, who wanted to get messy when you could write a story uh, and um, and so I've, I've just always been writing and writing stories I got serious in the seventh grade when my family moved I, I'm an army brat so when my family left um, well first we went from New York to Arizona then I grew up in California where I had a great outdoors um Uh, childhood and then we went to Georgia and then back to New York but when we came back to New York we could not go outside there was not the great outdoors there were not kickball games on every block so 
um, I was writing my novel and I went around the corner to the library, the neighborhood library, and I checked out like the writer's handbook, the writer's market, um, literary marketplace. And, and those were my books. I, I would bring them back so they could put them back on the shelves, but then I'd check them out again and take them back home. They were mine. Anyway, so I learned, I learned all of about like uh, preparing a manuscript and and writing a query letter and sending out SACE and uh, who who knows what that is a relic I, um, I self addressed oh that's envelope. right okay. <laughs> oh I've never heard that before okay. that, that tells you where you know where you are in the timeline of of like writing history anyway so so that was like I saved my money so I could uh, so I could write my, well first of all I would have to pay my I would have to rent my sister's typewriter um, so that I could write my query letter and write my stories and all of that uh, and then I would um, buy my stamps and and have my sace and my letter and send out my story at with along with the query letter and wait for the big bucks to roll in <laughs> and uh, uh, but uh, uh, as you can well imagine um, Nobody quite bought a 12-year-old writing about Vietnam veterans or a Las Vegas detective um, who takes on a case because uh, his wife is after him, his ex-wife is after him for alimony. I had Frank Sinatra to star in that. You know, I mean, this was this was the kid that I was. Um, and so mine was a life of early and um, early and often frequent rejection. Um, Finally, I took the advice in the books and I wrote something that I sort of kind of knew about. Um, I wrote a story for Highlights Magazine and it was and it was um, accepted and I got my first uh, got my first little check and uh, well it was a big deal because my family was going through so much and so my mother really needed that money. She told me that it was going to my college fund but huh, it, it went to the food on our plate so you know can I complain about that? Nah. Uh, but that was my first sale. I still have that. Um, I still have How that. How old were you at that point? I was, uh, oh, uh, let's see. By then, I was an old woman of 14. <laughs> uh, and, um, you know, um, I, well, you see, you have to understand, there was a seven-year-old activist poet uh, who was published and widely famed uh, for her, uh, you know, for her Black power um, poetry. And so, you know, I like I was way behind the curve in in, in my estimation. You know, so <laughs> and I was brought up to be competitive. So it was like, oh my goodness, the seven year olds are killing me. <laughs> uh, so um, I went to I went to college on a full scholarship. Um, I you would think I would study writing. I did not. Instead, I followed this gorgeous guy with this perfect round afro into uh roosevelt hall all the way in the back of the <laughs> campus and i so i asked people what do they what do they uh, uh study here and they oh this is the economics hall i was like i'm well i'm an economics <laughs> major now you know 
Um, oh, that's so great, Rita. So, oh, cracking so, up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this, this was my mode of thinking. And if you follow my logic, you'll know that in my early life, my teen years, and let's say even my 20s, you know, this was the kind of logic that kind of propelled me, you know, through life and with all of my mishaps and all of that. So um, I did sell one story when I was in college. Um, I wrote a story and sent it to Essence Magazine, and they accepted it and sent me a check for $200. Um, and that was really good. But I was waiting for the validation. I was waiting for my copy of my story. Well, it wasn't until about like um, like. Um, two years after I had written the story and I was by then I was out of school and in my apartment um, I got a letter saying I am sorry but we're no longer uh, we're no longer uh, publishing stories by unknown authors you know um, no. see you later bye so I remember I was because I, I had this awful little like $7,000 a year job it was horrid anyway um so my one uh my one kind of uh um, evidence that i am a writer was like was like taken from me and i had this very dramatic moment i took the letter the the see you later bye letter uh you're not famous enough for us and and i put it in the sink and i lit it on fire <laughs> there that will teach them and then Woof, up it went in smoke, in like flames. Like, you know, okay, so for a minute, there was a whole lot of satisfaction going on. Die, <laughs> die, 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 And then all of a sudden, woof, there it went. And I went, uh oh, I'm going to be kicked out of my apartment. You know, kill this flame, douse this flame. So I was like, putting <laughs> on water and, and like, you know, uh, filling up buckets and, and trying to tamp everything down. And I finally got everything down. And like, so I had these little black, wet, wet ashes. And I was kind of like looking around as if there was someone else in my apartment. <laughs> no, it was just me. But just kind of like, okay, Rita, you've had your moment, you know, cut it out. You'll, you'll, you'll live, you know. So, um, in the meanwhile, um, I was writing a novel that I did begin in college. Um, I, I had taken a, I had taken a master class. I finally, um, um, the, um, the calculus and microeconomics started to kick my little butt. And so I finally edged my way stage right into like, um, liberal arts so I could get the heck on out of Hofstra University. And so I took these, I took a master course, um, creative writing with Richard Price, um, screenwriter and, and author, um, and also with Sonia Pilser, who also an author and screenwriter and playwright. Um, and, um, and the one thing that I learned from them was that I had something that my, uh, that my other classmates did not have. I had voice, not even, not a voice, but voice. I did not know what they meant specifically, but I had a sense of what they meant that so I knew I had something um, and so during that time I wrote um, a draft for my first novel Blue Tights uh, well, okay back then it was Blue Tights Big Butt um, <laughs> eventually you know the Big Butt had to go it was the early 80s I'm trying to sell this thing anyway so 
Uh, so I, um, I immediately got what? I got me an agent, not just any agent, a Fifth Avenue agent. Um, uh, his name was Bartold Fless. Does that sound like borrowed flesh? It does. Well, this, oh my gosh. <laughs> older, this was a this man was about ninety years old when he accepted me as his you know as uh, as his client, and um, and I just kept looking at him thinking he's gonna die, and then um, and but then also that what does he know about this girl and this life that I'm I'm trying to write <laughs> about you know this this very. Con- Temporary South Jamaica, um, South Jamaica girl, you know, but, uh, but you know, like he hung in there and he gave me, he gave me notes and I was like, um, is he allowed to do that? Is he allowed to tell me what to do with my story? What? But I was like, you know what, Rita, it's time to grow, take the notes, make the revisions. And so, um, I remember I got one of my first rejection was a very detailed long letter and and he just kept saying how good that was and oh wow you got all of these notes this is great and i just thought oh my life is over <laughs> you know i just did not know about that for all that i have read about i did not understand this part of the writing mm. process and so after a while i just got frustrated i think i was just too young and i was frustrated and so i took my manuscript back and um, tried to sell it myself um and i got a lot of people to say oh i'd like to see it i'd like to see it and then they turn it return it to me um as soon as they almost as soon as they got it um like no this is not for us um and it was a good deal of it had to do with the fact that I did not know what a YA novel was mm-hmm. at all. Um, and, and, and then I need, I needed some other help too, but I would not know that until uh, about six years later when I finally sold blue tights to um, Lodestar book, which was an imprint of EP Dutton back in the, um, let's see, back in the 19, um, 1986. Actually, I have a card. I have a postcard that I sent out along with my query letter. Uh, can I read this yes, postcard Yes, please, please, please. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. Okay, so this, so this is um, um, postmarked New York, New York, um, um, 1986, uh, January. All righty then. Um, <laughs> Dear Miss Williams Garcia, okay, now this is my postcard that I that I mm. included, so I'm getting this back. Dear Miss Williams Garcia, after reviewing your inquiry, we colon check mark are interested in your manuscript and would like to see it at your earliest convenience, or check mark feel that this project is not suited for our <laughs> needs. Regards, the editors. And then I would put like, uh, okay, so there's Walker and Company, Philomel Books, and Lodestar Books, Macmillan, and uh, Farrar, Strauss, and Giraud, and, 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 and quite a few others. And, and so, um, uh, so this was how, this was when I sold my, uh, my manuscript. Um, I, I got a, well, I actually, I have um, about three. Uh, we would like to see this. And one of those was from Rosemary Brosnan, who is now, who is still my editor. Some, um, how many years later, uh, should we say? Uh, do the math. <laughs> anyway, um, 
and um, and she and with uh, Quiltry Books, a Harper Collins um, uh, imprint. Wow, <laughs> that's way different than how it happens now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, my dears, you are looking at. The Catherine Hepburn of <laughs> publishing. Oh, but it's it's oh, so yeah. interesting to see how the processes have changed, though, and how how different they are. I really love that story. Thank you so much for uh, for keeping the postcard all these years yes. because now you can share it with us. It was so cool. <laughs> I love those things. Yeah, yeah, I believe in artifacts. I keep a lot of stuff, um, much to the chagrin of my children, <laughs> who through the day that they have to come in here and clean up and get rid of my stuff when it's my time to leave this earth. Oh, <laughs> no. I, I grew up with a mom that loved to scrapbook things and passed that love of scrapbooking on to me mostly, not my sister too, but like I loved it. And, and also like the idea of like, if you have something that's worth displaying, you should like get a nice frame for it and put it up. And I do really love to do that. But in the digital age, it's like, I guess I got to like print out this web, like the website that like posted this article about me (laughs) and (laughs) frame that, I I guess it just like feels a little bit less exciting than like cutting it out of a Mm. magazine or a newspaper, you know? So, yeah. Well, you know, my, my oldest daughter, um, she's a news editor with NBC, um, and she is a, she is a, um, a scrapbooker, um, because she is so, she's artistic and, and organized. Um, (laughs) um, I've got the artsy going on. It's that organization thing that is like, wow, what is that? You know, (laughs) (laughs) um, but, but yeah, I am just amazed by her scrapbooking and, and, and everything I'm like wow and, and and she's got her own little printer and she's got like all the special papers and the, and the call outs and the da, 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 da. you know I'm like oh, you know I, I get hives thinking about being that organized about, about stuff you know? oh, no. I'm also not organized I'm all over the place <laughs> yes this is this is why this is a good thing that this is like phone cast and not video cast because y'all don't want to see what's going on up <laughs> oh no um i have another question so did you it's did you eventually uh link up with a with an agent to represent your work and when did that happen if so <laughs> i mean did i laugh like that <laughs> Um, okay, so 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 no, um, I um, I I represent myself uh, for my novels, um, and and my my very good friend um, Jackie Woodson, she is like on me. Um, her co booth, a, a lot of authors like Rita, Rita, you are letting millions walk out the door, and I'm like, yes, but I got my sanity. I'm happy, like you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> like, um, and and. And I am a don't, and I say this to everyone, don't, if you see my face, don't be a don't. Put that red, that red circle and that slash, don't get an agent. Well, you already, like, you're ahead of the curve. You're, you're not going to say, oh, gee, I don't need an agent. No, uh, get an agent. It's, yeah, this is my mo. this is my own um, uh, thing about, I, I, I'm a self-control mm. freak, so it's very hard for me to do to um, to do the agenting thing. I will say this: 
I do have an agent for my picture books. Okay. Okay. I do have, I, and that's a recent development. <laughs> um, it, it's baby, baby, baby. You sound steps. trepidatious baby about steps. it still. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I have to say he is really, he's very good and very attentive. Um, but um, this is, but see, this is 64 years worth of psychosis mm. going on. Do you think, I, like, it, it's going to take a long time for me to, like, oh, okay. You know, like, it, it, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I can't do it. So God bless you all who are making good money. And, and well, you should. One day I will say, Rita, you could make lots more, lots more, you know. And, and but, eh, I, I, I don't think so. you know i we do definitely try to highlight like the that there's like a huge diversity of like publishing experiences Mm -hmm. in this industry and that just because we hear about one story type of story over and over again doesn't mean it has to be everyone's journey so i actually kind of love that you have this experience like even though you do give the disclaimer like it's not for everybody (laughs) like our oh, listeners yeah. are smart, so I'm sure they'll get it. But oh, I yeah. do love that. You, like, look at all your success. I'm. You gotta be doing something <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, a little some some. Things right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I just got. I just got a star. Another. Uh, um. Okay. So I have four stars now for my latest book, A Sitting in St. James. So I'm like, yay. Um, so yeah, that's why I'm so like. Oh Hi. yay! Congratulations! Uh, I, I, That's so exciting! Congratulations! I'm, I'm like star crazy! Yes! <laughs> That's so exciting! Ride or Die is brought to you in part by T Public. T Public is home to independent art on stickers, cases, shirts, and more. Check out our Ride or Die store at tpublic.com/stores/rideordiepodcast. Check it out now. So now that you've mentioned it, uh, sitting in St. James out May 25th, 2021, do you mind kind of giving our listeners a quick overview of what that book is about? Sure, sure. So one of the things that I said way back in 19, uh, in the 1980s, when I was first um, visiting, um, visiting my readers in libraries and in schools was that I would never, ever, ever do a historical novel. Um, And this is, in fact, a historical novel. Um, So (laughs) I have... I have, uh, yes. Anyway, um, this um, a sitting in St. James is set in 1860 Louisiana, and it follows uh, the uh, slave holding family of the Gilberts, um, specifically Madame, Madame Sylvie Bernadon de Marais Dossier Gilbert, um, who is, uh, she is 80 years old and she has survived uh, the French Revolution, the Haitian Revolution, and now it's the dawning of the Civil War. And she feels that um, after such a long reign as the plantation mistress and after all that she has suffered, she is owed, um, she's owed everything that she had in her former life um, in, in France. And so she insists upon a sitting to have her portrait painted. Um, and, um, and, and to do that at all costs, even though the plantation is, is, uh, having, uh, problems, uh, financially. Uh, but, and so this is what, uh, so the story, it's really not about the painting, but it's that Madame 
feels entitled. And so, and so this is a story about entitlement and, um, and that, uh, and all who are affected by her sense of entitlement and that, and, and, and to kind of, um, to make parallels, to make that connection with, um, allows people to do, you know, and, and to feel, and, and that we're still feeling that today in 2021. Ooh, I love that. That sounds so interesting. Um, and we'll make sure to include the buy links in the show notes so everybody can go buy the prerequisite 20 copies. All our listeners, we make them buy. <laughs> yes, yes we have to see you get it. They have, they have to, they have to do it or the podcast <laughs> stops broadcasting to their iPhone. Okay. Um, I want to talk a little bit about um, your your approach to sort of storytelling and craft. What your process is like when you set out to write a novel. Um, I'm I'm assuming that each book has been different, but uh, I'd like to know sort of like if you start with characters or an idea or what your sort of creative process looks like. If you could just take us through that journey. Okay. Well, the first thing that happens for me is um, is the idea. Uh, something really strikes me in a way that um, that I know that it's special. Um, and I know it's special because I can right away see it from different angles. If I can only see it from one point of view, then uh, it doesn't hold my fascination um, for but so long. But if I can see... Um, if I can see conflict, if I can see a clashing of, of views, if I can... Um, if I can see uh, repercussions, if I can feel start to feel just the mere vibrations of those things, I know that that's somewhere that I want to uh, that I want to go further. Um, the next thing that happens is uh, usually it's the character that um, that starts to frame the story for me because I have to understand what the what the journey is. What is the ultimate journey? I usually have to know what's um, what's going to happen in the end first. Um, I always leave, leave myself enough um, openness to change that because uh, if it changes, it's because the character changes it. Um, uh, once the characters begin to assert themselves and truly have their own, uh, their voice um, um, and everything separate from me, their own motivations, um, then, uh, then I have to follow that and, um, and and so that that has happened quite quite um, quite a bit. Um, I do a lot of different things um, when I'm trying to um, put my story together because I tend to think in in multiple streams or threads. Um, and so I and being a messy person, um, I, this is the one area where I have to be meticulous because it, uh, um, while I'm good with my own insanity. I don't like to cause insanity for <laughs> others. So, um, so I do things like um, I might make a map um, about uh, with the character, or I might do a collage um, and and throw a lot of um, images on the collage. I might do a character collage, and this is something that I would like other uh, people to, other writers to think about doing for each of their main characters, a character collage, where you just take um, images that relate to that character and, and just, you know, cut and paste them. Um, uh, I, I guess you can do that digitally. Mm -hmm. um, 
but um, uh, feel free to get your hands messy and um, and cut and paste and 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 just kind of have that. What you're going to see overall, and and so I'm going to tell you what you're going to see, but I want you to forget that I'm telling you this so that you don't have this front loaded as as an aim. I want this really to come from your subconscious, but I'm going to just tell you this, just forget it after I say it. So what you're going to see after you um, after you make your character um, your character collages is you're, you'll begin to see some of the reoccurring themes, or you'll see how things diverge or merge. You know, you'll see how um, images around certain characters um, you you'll see how they relate. You know, if you're really open. Um, and you're really thinking about your character, giving them a backstory that maybe only you will know, um, really tuning into the things that are important to them, but while also um, keeping in mind what their function is to the story, you know, we have to do that too. Um, then all those ingredients that you put into your character or that surround your character, um, they will all be true. They will, they, and, and it's kind of like a, um, like a, I don't know, like a geometry theorem, or um, if you put those elements together, you're going to see, um, you're going to see what's similar and what's divergent. And then it really helps you to think about where is this going? And, and, um, and am I, in the right direction. And then when you see that things are discordant, um, not, not in the positive way that creates that good tension, but in the way that, oh, this is just gumming up the works because it really does not connect to anything. Then at that point, you can start to say to yourself, okay, let's, um, let's, let's have a final word or, or pour an ounce of, of red dog, red bull or whatever, <laughs> or, uh, you know, for this character <laughs> and this storyline, for they have served us well, but they must get the heck out of the manuscript, <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, whatever. But, um, but I, I um, uh, yeah. So, so I do, um, I do things to kind of, um, um, really kind of jog my, um, my my senses about the book as opposed to just the words. Um, sacrilege! What's sacrilege? But um, but if I if I just approach my novels from the word point of view, then uh, I tend to freeze. I tend to freeze, um, and so and I start thinking about word performance and how good the writing is and stuff like that. Um, and and I I already know myself. I already know that. Uh, the writing is never good on first try. Uh, this is me. It, it's never good. Um, <laughs> a mood. I, I, don't share that stuff. <laughs> I can relate. <laughs> uh, and, and so, uh, and so, it, it really does take a while for um, for things to come to the surface, and for me to really know and say, okay, yes, okay, this is what is happening here, and then I start to move things around and take things and remove things and and really start to structure my story. Um, I can, it depends upon, 
what that story is. Some some things are more straightforward than others, and so that's really good. Um, some things have definite shapes. I remember when I was writing Jumped, there was it was all about the triangles. I had three girls, um, and then if I if uh, for whatever um, whatever kind of I don't know, subject or something that I could think of, I could put them on different angles and, and you could see where these two are more alike and the, the uh, these um, and these are not and, and so forth. Anyway, uh, and, and then the whole story really uh, does come together as kind of a triangle when you put those three girls, those three triangles together, uh, because they meet in the middle at the end, where which is where that final um, that final conflict or clash happens. Anyway, um, yeah. So so it was the dynamic shape of the story that that was like click that was right there. Um, whereas I'm not going to have that with all the stories. Uh, some of them are going to be more maps. Some of them are going to be more puzzles. Um, um, some of them I, I can just I um, they I I can just chart them. This happens, then this happens, then this happens, then this happens, and so forth and so on. But I usually begin a story um, by once I start to really fill up with with the story and story ideas and and characters that are going to come into the story, I then tell myself the story. Now, I'm a hand writer. Um, you don't have to do that, you know. Remember, um, I am the person who does not have the agent. Um, so you don't have to do that. But I tell myself the story first. Um, and, um, and every other day, I tell myself the story and something changes. Or when I'm on my walk, uh, something occurs to me and I go, oh, that's why that happens. Oh, oh, these two are going out to form an alliance. Get out of town. <laughs> and, you know, uh, things I, I have, if I'm on mission writing, then I'm going to write the, I'm going to write a story. It's going to be good because I'm a good writer, but it's just going to be that story that I'm pushing. It's, you know, I'm pushing my chess pieces across the board and I get there and it's good, but it could be better. But if, um, if, if, if I, if I re can really see my characters and, and see where they're going and, and honor them, respect them and, um, you know, all of those kinds of things, you know, then I can have something a whole lot better. So I, I tend to, I tend to not um, push my pieces down the chessboard and that's code for, I blow a lot of deadlines. y'all. <laughs> oh man. I love that. I, you're just like so full of amazing advice and just doing things in your own way, which is it's so important because I feel like a lot of times, especially now that people are on social media, there's like a whole book community on social media. You see sort of like the same advice recycled over and over again. And people tend to think that there's only one way to do something when really it's just the way that works for you that you have to find. Right. And that might be a way that's oh, yeah. not for anybody else. But what matters is it works for you. Um I love that you said you basically said your books are all vibes and no plot in the beginning. And I just really love that so much. And people are doing the so the scrapbooking thing that you mentioned for the characters. Oh, yeah. yeah. So people call that yeah. like book aesthetics now. Right. And they do do it digitally. Yeah. Uh huh. And it's a thing that yeah, writers now. share Ooh. on like on like Twitter and Instagram to like give people a glimpse what? of 
you started a trend and you didn't even know. <laughs> I, okay, I, I have got to write this down. Book yeah, it's like it's yeah, it's like book aesthetic or um or or like novel aesthetic. Uh, there was a, an event on Twitter like a couple years ago where every Thursday people would share their novel aesthetics, um, mm-hmm. with, like with a certain theme. And <laughs> I thought you'd enjoy that. <laughs> yeah, people love it. They get really, mm-hmm. really into it. Like mm-hmm. it's all over Bookstagram too on mm-hmm. Instagram. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay, all right. You didn't even know that you like were the fr- forerunner of uh, forebearer of, of this. I think I'm doing my foolishness in you, you're like um like all unto myself in my hobble <laughs> and like uh, nobody can see me do this craziness. Like <laughs> people notice. Oh no, <laughs> people are paying attention. <laughs> um. No, but I think that's I think that's great. I mean, it also goes to show that like uh, everything is cyclical, right? Like things come back around, which is kind of nice. I like that. Me too. <laughs> and you know, it, a very important thing you said um, that that um, that we write to the the individual that we are, but I think we also write to the different. Um, each book is different. We're not writing the same book over and over. And each book will ask us to look at it in a different way. And so uh, th- this is why I can't jump from one to another. Um, I have to like divorce myself of the other the, of the other book and then really immerse myself into um, into all of the the um, the language and the imagery of of the new book and and then think of um, how am I going to approach it? Um, I don't know what narrative uh, what narrative I'm going to employ until I begin to feel my character and know um, do I trust them to tell the story? Is there a reason why they cannot tell it um, or um, or or are they just the the better vehicle to tell this story? I I have to think of, or, um, or do I need multiple characters to tell the story? So um, I think every story really asks the writer, um, you know, to, to, to really look at it differently. Mm -hmm. That makes total, that makes so much sense. Um, And it makes sense that you think of it that way, because you did say earlier that, um, you know, voice is really important to you. Um, So I was wondering, though, because you do write both young adult and middle grade, do you have a general process that you go through when preparing yourself to write middle grade versus young adults? Like, do you have a specific approach for each age category? I I kind of do. Um, uh, when I was writing, when I was writing young adult, whatever the big bad thing was, um, that that would happen in the very beginning. So in um, like sisters on the home front, um, let's see the 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 girl. Uh, she's how old is she? She's fourteen. She is already a teen mother. She is pregnant yet again. Um, her mother takes her to have an abortion, um, and then puts her on a plane or, and sends her down south. Um, um, see, all that stuff happens very early. That's not the to me. That's not the the point of the. That's not the dramatic crux of the story. You know, that's meeting the character where they are. Um, but when I'm writing for a much younger um, 
a, a younger reader, I'm, I'm, I think I'm very, I think I'm gentle with that reader. I think I take my time, um, um, and, uh, get to them to a place that might not be so, um, so safe. Um, um, I, I, I try to be very careful about how I get them there and, um, and to make sure that maybe that there's um, that there's some that there is a guides for them, and sometimes there aren't because we have children who experience that when they are truly alone, um, or that they don't have an an adult ally. Um, um, but I, I I tend to really take my time and um, and I spell things out a lot more for uh, for kids than I would with uh, with teens, um, and um, it, I, I I I try to be sensitive to my younger readers. Mm. Um, I I did I I will say that I did okay. Um, this is me we're talking about. Okay, <laughs> you you should know me by now. Um, so. I, um, my, I, I wrote a book with a younger voice, um, about female genital mutilation, um, for, uh, about two 10 year olds, um, American, an African American and an African girl who are best friends. And when, um, and when the, um, African girl comes back from having visited, uh, her, her native country, um, Nigeria, um, she is different. And and so um, and so then um, Akila, the African American girl, has to find out what happened and how can she help her friend. And so now this is a this is a difficult story to tell. And um, um, if I listened to most people, it would be best told um, to uh, using teenagers. Um, but instead, I chose to write um, about two 10-year-olds because really around the age of eight is when this happens. So um, I, I knew I could not write this for the second grade. Uh, no, no. Um, even I have common sense. <laughs> but I, um, I hoped um, to um, introduce this to sixth and seventh grade. And so... Um, so yeah, yeah, my approach had to be had to be very different and very gentle um, mm. in order to tell that story. Absolutely, yeah. Um, in terms of uh, voice, a lot of uh, authors who start off writing YA or writing middle grade uh, have questions about like how to get the voice right for each age group. Um, so do would you have any advice for someone who's like, Hey, how do you get the voice right for middle grade? Or how do you get the voice right for YA? Since you write both, um, I'm sure you have to do some switching sometimes. And how do you make sure that you're, you're getting it right? Okay. So this, is this, um, for, for me, it's, it's simple. It's, um, treat them like they are actual people and they will tell you how they sound. You know, um, I love that. Um, so for me, it's always listening. And so when I'm out in the world, I'm always listening. I'm always listening to voices and how um, how people express themselves. Um, and I, and it's different. OK, now you're going to try to take something that's real and then craft it, you know, add the artifice to it, because 
okay, real, real dialogue just sounds crazy. You can't write that stuff down. It's just too, like, you know, crazy. Anyway, but, um, um, but when you try to then um, um, bring it down to its essence and have them speak in meaningful ways, you have to always remember that this six-year-old, seven-year-old, eight-year-old is a person, and this 16-year-old is a person. Um, and uh, if, if your characters are, if they are at the center of your story, then that gives you an opportunity to really get to know them, to know what is interesting to them. You know, what, what are, what are their interests and, um, and how do they dress? You know, you, like your, your characters are not just, you know, they're not just like, uh, you know, talking heads, you know, um, um, they have a, to me, they just have a whole, they, they should have depth. They should have, they should have a background that you can access, that you can understand, oh, you know, um, this is why she says this, or, um, uh, uh, this is the one thing that. Um, that defines how the the way she is the way she is, you know. Or these are her, even though they don't appear in the story. These are her, uh, our families, and so and this is where she falls in line in the family. Now in the story, in the actual story, we're never going to see any of that. But at least <laughs> now we get to feel the energy of how she connects with family. Um, and so, so I, so I like to do that. I like to really get a sense that um, my characters are actual people in the world with their own concerns. And Rita, you know, you're bothering me, you know. Um, and um, uh, while I'm trying to understand them, and and so in in that way, they give me a lot um, for them to push against, you know. And, and just have energy around them and not just be uh, blah, 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 talking, uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> uh, so it's always good. Not every character can can do that or be that because it's really your main characters that really need that. And then the other characters around them function um, as your main character needs them. And I mean, like if they if they are someone who supplies information or if they're allies, if they, um, if they activate something within your characters, you know, they, whatever the case might be, they all have function, you know, but, um, so you have to kind of know what, what is their function, but also, um, what, what makes them, what makes them human? I love that advice so much. (laughs) Perfect. Okay, Rita. So yes. everyone who's on <laughs> You're the ready. podcast You're ready for it. <laughs> tells us their most embarrassing publishing-related story or something they wish they'd known before they started. So you could do either or. You could do both. It's up to you. Okie dokie. Um, let's see. Something that I wish I had known before. Oh, well, I... Okay, so I certainly... All right. Every oh, well, why am I telling? Okay, so everybody, <laughs> everybody today knows what a Newberry is, right? And mm-hmm. the Caldecotts yeah. and the, all that stuff, right? Yeah. All right. So, I've I've seen those I've seen those stickers on books before. I have. Um, but remember, when I wrote Blue Tights, I did not know what a YA was. Okay, mm-hmm. so I I was not into like the whole like I just was not into 
um, um, YA literature quite like that. I wasn't into children's literature quite like that. You know, I just wanted to write stories. I, I had even told my editor, oh, don't go nominating me for any um, any awards or any, any Coretta's or anything. I just want to write stories. And she just smiled. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know. He thought you were kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she was like, oh, don't worry, Rita. We're, we're handling things anyway. Um, um, and, and it doesn't go that way anyway. Um, but so I did not, there was a whole lot. I You could write a book about what I did not know about uh, the world of children's um, literature. And it was my friend um, and um, uh, editor at Penguin, um, uh, Sharon November, who uh, we were ha- she had said something, something about uh, midwinter. So I smiled <laughs> a certain way. And she said, Rita, what, what, what do you think midwinter is? And I said, and okay, so <laughs> My daughter was in the eighth grade. She went to the midwinter formal. So I said, isn't that when the librarians get dressed up and they go to a ball and, you know, for the midwinter formal? And she said, okay, I'm not going to laugh at you because I know that you don't know what this is. But she (laughs) explained what midwinter was, okay? (laughs) Um, And then the, the next year... Well, I, I kind of knew what it was, but I didn't know all about it. I just kind of knew what it was. That was the year that um, One Crazy Summer had um, had won um, uh, Newbery Honor, Coretta Scott King Author Award. Thank you, Coretta. <laughs> and thanks. Um, and so, uh, like, every, every, every person who's inter- who is entering into children's literature and young adult literature. They know all the, they know all the stuff. They, they, they know it all. Uh, I like, I know nothing. Okay. Um, no, I, I, now I know things. I know things now, but <laughs> the, the most embarrassing thing. Um, I don't know. It's hard to embarrass me because um, I, I'm, uh, I have, I have, I have done some things, so <laughs> it's very hard to embarrass me. But there was this one time that I remember. Uh, so every year they have the, uh, isn't it the, the Dr. Seuss reading day? The, the, um, the yeah, the books, we're, we're all reading today. And it's because of Dr. Seuss, whatever that day is. Okay. Um, so I, um, so here I am, I'm going out to this school, um, to read to the children and I wanted to, you know, like, uh, so I, um, I put on my, I put on this wig and, um, and, and, and I was, um, I was dressed nice and all cute and everything. So I went in there, um, and see, this was important because this was during the days that I worked nine to, um, I had a job. I never worked nine to five. I always worked like 11 hours or something, but that's another story. Anyway. Um, so <laughs> I was, the, I'm, I am an author today. I am not the, um, I'm not the manager of software distribution and <laughs> no, no, no. I am an author. So I'm going to go and read to, um, to, to kids. Right. And so, <clears throat> so I go to the kindergarten and I have my book and everybody gets a Dr. Seuss hat. And so this little boy insisted, no, you can have my Dr. Seuss hat. And he is killing himself to put his hat on me, like jumping up to get that hat on me. Well, <laughs> so of course, 
my Janet Jackson wig kind of slipped, kind of slipped, right? And he looked and he started to cry. <gasps> I like, and so then I said, oh, let me just go in the bathroom and fix myself up. So I had to go and like, like straighten this wig thing out and put the pins back in all this mess. Anyway, so so I and and I put the little hat on, and so I so I came back out, and he said, "I thought I broke your head." Oh, oh that's <laughs> I just thought, okay. I thought it was so sweet, you know. Just it's like, no, my head is okay. You know, <laughs> it wasn't broken. It's it's fine. It's fine. You know. So uh, yeah. <laughs> so oh. um, that that's just one of the stories in the Rita files. Um, geez. Um, <laughs> I feel like that's more of a sweet story than an embarrassing story, to be honest. It's yeah. Very yeah. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that is absolutely amazing. We had so much fun talking to you. Um, yeah. Can you please let our listeners know where they might be able to find you on the internet? Okay. So at Twitter, I am one crazy Rita. Um, and okay, I don't really know my name on Instagram because <laughs> I got my Instagram account by accident. I think it might be Rita Williams Garcia. Uh, it might be Rita Williams Garcia one or a one. It, it, it's something I, it's Rita Williams Garcia related. That's fair. We I will we'll look it up know. and we'll put it, it in is, our show notes so that people It can is just Rita click on it. it is it's Rita Williams Garcia. And you're verified, Miss Miss Rita. <laughs> you're like, I don't know this very fancy official account. I am verified. I, I should be certified. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, someone someone said um that uh, um uh, oh uh, can you please verify yourself? You know, and I'm like, what do they mean? So then, of course, I have to call my uh, my my media um, um, savant, my my daughter, Michelle uh, Sheb. What do I do about this? Um, like, OK, mom, don't worry. I will handle that for you. You know, uh, where would I be without my kids? Because even so, I still have to poke around to find out, like, how do I answer the chat? How do I do this? How do I do that? heaven help you if you want me to go on instagram live that is never going to happen (laughs) that's fair you have to everyone has to have their line (laughs) um thank you so much rita for talking to us it was so so much fun good 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 i I hope it was also useful um yes it's gonna be super useful i'm sure. sure Get agents, y'all. Get agents. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Write or Die. Be sure to check out Wicked Fox by Kat Cho. And Ghost Squad by Clarabelle A. Ortega. And while you're at it, make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us a review. See you next time, Wordies. And don't forget to spread the word.